It's all about faith, brothers and sisters, and it's all about Jesus. And so uh, we all need to keep the faith, and we're all going to be tested. You know, the, the verse tells us many are called, but few are chosen, right? Many are called to the altar. Many are called to accept Jesus, to ask him for forgiveness, and uh, ask him to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But the ones that repent genuinely and the ones that keep the faith when persecution arises, when, the, when we're being tested, because all of us, brothers and sisters, are going to be tested, right? John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever should believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So how does he know how great your faith is? If it's going to waver. If you're going to get angry with God. Because trust me, brothers and sisters, you blaspheme God, you get angry with God. When, when, uh, when you're going through the trial, you're separating from God. You know, when you go through a trial, brothers and sisters, people do one of two things. They run to God or from God. We need to always run to God. We need to praise His name no matter what we're going through. That's what Scripture says. To praise Him in everything, right? And, and, and we're going through trials. It's to bring us closer to Him. If what? If we don't waver, we don't lose our faith, all right? And last week, we learned in Job, there's no better example of someone's faith being tested. And we learned that he wasn't being chastened because when we read in the first chapter, God says that there's no one like him on the earth. He's righteous. He hates evil, right? And uh, he and, uh, and Satan have a discussion. God says, have you considered my son Job? And Satan says, well, you put a hedge around him and his family, right? He says, he says, take the things from him and he will curse you. We learned that God allows Satan to, to take all his goods, his possessions, which apparently were, were much. And he had ten children, seven sons and three daughters. And they're eating in a house of the older brother. And a wind comes and the house falls and kills all ten children. Will you remember what Job did? What we all have to do. He says, Naked I came in this world, and naked I will return. The Lord giveth, and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. It says he worshiped God. Amen? And it's a tough thing, brothers and sisters. Sometimes many people go through things. But Job, we didn't read the second chapter. And I invite you to do it on your own. We're going to go into another area today, but on the same subject. But what happens is, then Satan says, well, skin to skin. You know, hurt him, hurt his body, and he will curse you to your, to your face. That's what he tells God. So God says, okay, do what you will with him, but, but spare his life. Don't take his life. So he gives him boils from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. And even his wife says, do you still hold to your integrity? Curse God and die. Can you imagine? Mm. But Job says, you speak like a foolish woman. Are we to accept the good and reject 
the bad things that happen, I'm paraphrasing, but you understand the adversities, I believe the scripture says. Okay, so we have to accept whatever comes our way. We have to bear the cross that's given to us. And I assure you, I doubt very much, I can't assure you anything, but I doubt that you're going to have to go through what Job went through. And so it's a good example for us. What we also learned last week is people of the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, there was no promise of salvation. There was no promise that if you live and give up your life for Jesus, Yeshua, you will go to heaven and have a mansion. There's no promise of that. Yet they had hope of that. And, and what? They, they had faith in God and fear of God and love of God to, to, to be servants of Him unto death. You see? And so today we're going to look at another illustration in the old text, Hebrew text. It's found in Daniel chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to that. Now, to put it in context, um, God's not happy with Israel. Uh, committed what he calls harlotry, literally adultery with the Canaanite people, and also worship their idols, so he calls it harlotry. It goes back and forth. We read this. God is a jealous God, he says. His name is jealous, and at some point, he just can't stand it any longer. So he allows King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon to come and take them over, even destroy the temple. And um, there's some uh, men, that young men, that Nebuchadnezzar um, wisely uh, puts them with his wise men to, to uh, you know, nurture them, Daniel being one of them. And they actually are in the line of, the, of Aaron, the priests, okay? And so there's three guys named uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And Nebuchadnezzar makes this rule that you're going to worship this fake god that he makes when the music is played. And so some people notice that these Jewish people that he has lifted up, so to speak, they're not doing well you. When Nebuchadnezzar makes this decree that when you hear the music, you are to bow down and worship this fake god, if you don't, you're going to be burned alive. You're going to be put into a fire and be burned alive. And this is what their threat, he's threatening these three men of God. And so this is how they answered. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And we will he will deliver us from the hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods, nor will we worship the golden image which you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury, and he spoke the command that they heat the furnace seven times more than it usually was heated. And he commanded certain mighty men of valor and were in his army, and they bound Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Now we're going to read, uh, starting for verse 24 through 29. But I want to point out, you see, they had faith that God would deliver them out of the fire. You see, brothers and sisters, you and I are going to go through some fire. 
If you have not tested, if your faith has not been tested yet, it's going to be. And we, God says, we learned last week that he will not give us suffering like this, a test that we cannot endure. And we have the Holy Spirit in us, brothers and sisters. Job didn't. Back in the old text, the, the prophets and some kings would get the Holy Spirit as needed, temporarily. But, but praise God, brothers and sisters, because of what Jesus did, and he left the comfort of the Holy Spirit, you and I, after we have received Jesus in our heart, we have repented, changed our ways, worthy to receive the Holy Spirit. We have the power of Jesus in us. Think of more of Jesus in you. And you can get through this burning fire and hold on to Jesus' hand, and he'll get us through it. And they're confident they'll be delivered. So then read from verse 24. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, did we not cast three men bound in the midst of the fire? They answered and said, O king. And then he says, Look, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. This is powerful. This is a heathen king, right? But he, see it, he sees it. And God puts it on his mind that this is not just the, any fourth person he's seen here, but the Son of God. You remember, the Son of God has been in existence since creation, right? He is the Word, and the Word was made flesh, right? Only God in him and the Holy Spirit exists and creates everything, including angels, right? So here we have a view of Jesus. Yeshua, that's how you say Jesus in Hebrew, appearing before he's incarnated in human form to die a suffering death for you and me. You understand? So that's the declaration that King Nebuchadnezzar makes. He makes another one. So in 26 he says, Then Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the burning fire furnace, and spoke, saying, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out. Come out here. So he comes out, and reading from verse 27, and the administrators, governors, and kings, and counselors gathered together, and they saw these men on whose bodies the fire had no power, and the hair of their head was not singed, nor were their garments affected, and the smell of fire was not even on them. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered his servants who trust in him. Now, now he calls him an angel. And we know that when Abraham talks to three angels, one of them happens to be God, in the, in, in, which is the Son of God. Because we know the scripture tells us no one sees God the Father and lives. We know that scripture says God the Father is a consuming fire. Remember Moses talking to fire, a, a burning bush fire that does not burn out. Okay? So we know that that third angel is not really an angel. It's just in word angel. But the angel of the Lord, okay, that helps Moses and the Egyptians get, uh, Moses and the Israelites 
go through the land of Canaan and destroy all the people that they fight. That's who appears here. That's our Lord and Savior, Jesus. All right, so pick it up in verse 29. This is what uh, Nebuchadnezzar says. Therefore, I make a decree that any people, nations, and languages which speak any amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces. And their houses shall be made an ash heap because there is no other God who can deliver like this. Amen. So brothers and sisters, when you're going through the fire, think of this. Think of Job. Think of this. There's no better example. This is literally a fire. And that's what he says. He's going to test you and send you through the fire to purify you and refine you, rectify you, make you better. You know, I have a sago plant. And it had not been pruned for many years. Shame to say that. And it was, it looked like a bush, huge bush. I won't say ugly because I'm very fond of sago plants. But it took me about two or three days, at least two days, to prune it, to, to take off those old branches. And today, I honestly can tell you, I don't think I've seen a more beautiful sago palm in my life. And I, this is something I look at. You know, I admire God's, God's work. And it's just gorgeous. And there's many of them. Okay? And that's what God is due to you and me. When he prunes us, it's not chastening. Okay? Job was not being chastened. Right? We know that he will chasten us to, get, to bring us back. Right? He chastens the ones he loves. But sometimes it's a test. It's a pruning. It's a pruning to make you better. A pruning is someone who bears fruit right? And he prunes you to make you bear more fruit. You understand? And when you go through those fires, share the testimony, brothers and sisters. Share them with your brothers and sisters so they can benefit from it. And they too will make it through the fire, Lord willing, and we'll all be with our Savior, Lord Jesus Yeshua, forever and ever. All right, so we always read two passages. We have one more passage, short passage to read. And that'll be in the new text. If you have your Bibles. And I will put these verses. I invite you to look back. They'll be in the description. You can look back at the, uh, the verses on your own. And you can share them, Bible studies, or just individually with people. To bring them closer to God. And get them to be able to go through the fire. And be delivered. By our Savior, Jesus, Yeshua. So now, this one is in Mark chapter 8, verses 34 through 38. And it reads, Excuse me. When he called the people, he's talking about Jesus. When he had called the people to himself, with his disciples also, he said to them, Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel will save it. For whatever will profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul, what will it profit? Nothing. 
Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him the Son of Man also will be ashamed when he comes in his glory of his Father with the holy angels. So brothers and sisters, never be ashamed of God, of Jesus, right? Here he says at the top is, and he's not just talking to the, the, the disciples, because he mentions about giving up your life. Yes, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and, and Abednego were willing to give up your life, his life, and you and I need to. Jesus gave up his life for us, right? We need to give up our lives for our brother. He calls us brother, right? When, 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 um, when he sees Mary, after he comes out of the tomb and resurrected, he tells Mary, go and tell my brethren, I will see them in Galilee. First time he calls them brother. Can you imagine? He's calling us brother? Wow. That just gives me chills to think about. Right? Doesn't mean everyone that is born again is going to die a physical death in his name. It might. We have to be prepared for it. But he's talking about give up your life. Give up your sinful life. He's talking about an adulterous, sinful world, which we live in today, right? You know it. And you've got to give up your life. And it's not dying on a cross like he did, but give up any lust or, or, or riches or anything that's keeping you out of heaven, right? He says, if the eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. Better to go to heaven with one eye than go to hell with two. Right, brothers and sisters? So if there's a sin out there that is causing you to sin, ask God for help, and He will help you. Renew your carnal mind. Get rid of it. And then He will completely renew your mind, completely renew your heart as a pure, circumcised, loving heart. It tells us if we don't have a pure heart, we won't see God. And He will do that, and He will fill you with the Holy Spirit if it hasn't happened to you already. And you'll be able to make it through any fire that comes your way. There's another example in the New Text. You've all heard of Paul. He was Saul. God selected him, right? Blinded him because he was persecuting Jews, even causing some to, to be killed. But he knew that he would be a great man of God and suffer for him. He says that, and he does suffer. Five times he is whipped with 39 strikes. He's beaten three times with rods. He's stoned to death. He is left in the deep. For day and night he's swimming. has nowhere to go. He can't get to the land. But God delivers him. You see? And we'll finish with the words he says when... When he, when he knows he's about, he's about to be delivered, uh, the Romans are about to put him to death. I'm reading from 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. He tells us, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race. I have kept my faith, brothers and sisters. 
That's what this message is about. Keep your faith. Do not run from God. Run to God. Keep the faith and He will deliver you. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all of you who loved his appearances. So brothers and sisters, you have a crown of righteousness waiting for you. And in Revelations, it talks about 24 elders. And when they see Jesus, Yeshua, they bow down to the ground. They take their crowns that you and I will have, and they throw them at the feet of Jesus, Yeshua. And brothers and sisters, I assure you, so will we. Praise God. Praise Jesus. Amen. Now, I want to give you a, a real scenario. Uh, I, I do some ministry in Uganda, Africa. And I knew this uh, woman named Rose because I met, I do some hospital ministry there. And there was a young man named Junior. He was about know, 10 or 11 years old. And he had his arm cut off because he had a demon in him. And he had been thrown, the demon threw him into the fire, just like we read in the Bible. And it burned his arm so severe that they had to take it off. And so I met him. And so I shared Jesus with him and in the hospital. And he does the Lord's Prayer with me. He raises his hand, as the pastor said to do, the only hand he had. And the pastor said, and put your other hand on your heart. And I put my hand on his heart. And he accepted Jesus that day. And so I stay close to, the, to the, the young man and his family. Been there numerous times. And so when he's about 13 years old, he had been attending a, a righteous church there that a pastor I do work with. And his job was to clean the church after service. And so when he finished uh, cleaning the church the, this one day, he went home and he told his brothers, his little brothers, I, I need to lay down. He's about 13 years old now. He says, my head hurts. He lays down and he never wakes up. So the pastor I work with called me and shared the news. So right away, I need to give my condolences to Rose. So I call her. And the first words out of her mouth is, Praise Jesus, Brother Job. That's what you want to do. That's what Job did. You understand? Now, the story doesn't end there. About a year and a half later, I get word that Rose died. So... There's a young man named Joseph, her oldest son, uh, interprets for me when I go to Uganda. And at that time, he's about 19 years old, and he has three other little brothers, the youngest one being five, four or five, and the oldest one being about nine or ten. So he has to take care of these children. So I call him. Brothers and sisters, this is no coincidence. This is God. This is the Holy Spirit. The first words out of his mouth is, Praise Jesus, Brother Joe. 
It just gives me chills and thrills me. That's what you need to do, brothers and sisters. Amen? Amen.